Hey. Hey. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. So, good morning again. <laughs> good morning again. I'm honestly not sure if my internet here in Colorado Springs likes me. Yeah, I guess we'll, we're finding that out. <laughs> right? So, um, I guess this morning we're going to talk about when an abuser feels like they're losing control. So their whole motive is manipulation and control over whoever they're, they're with or whoever is that main person they're focusing on. Um, do you want to give me an example of some, like something that sticks out in your mind about your abuser losing control over you? Oh my God. Okay. So I, I know I've mentioned it before in one episode, but, um, so when the kids' dad kind of was catching wind that I kind of had that detached feeling with him, like I didn't mm -hmm. care if he came home, I didn't care what he did, he would, he was home more. And he was oh, like, weird. yeah, weird, right? And he's like, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? Do you want to come over here and lay down with me? I miss you. I would really like for us to like, you know, sit down and watch a movie or whatever. Mind you, he was never a person to lay on the couch or watch a movie or sit next to me or whatever. It was just, he was constantly going. He was very um, active, like almost like ADD, ADHD, where he mm -hmm. just couldn't And I remember him laying on the couch one day and he says, do you want to come and lay down with me? And I remember looking at him and I'm like, no. I was like, no, I don't. And then he says, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I really miss you. And I'm really looking forward to marrying you. Have you guys talked about marriage before? Um, sort of, kind of. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to marry him. I knew I didn't want to marry him. I knew there was no way I could. But um, I remember thinking to myself and looking at him and thinking, no, no, I, I'm never, we're never going to get, that's never going to happen. Right. And I remember because I didn't want to throw him off. I lay down on the couch with him and the whole time I'm laying there, I am thinking like how disgusted I am. How gross is this? Right. And then a couple weeks went by and I, Remember me telling you last last couple days ago, well, it was a couple days ago, that I told you about the lint issue. Right. When he came in the kitchen and he, I remember my mom and I were sitting there having a conversation and I'm sitting on my bar stool in my kitchen and he comes around the corner and he's like, I cannot go to work like this. I have lint all over my clothes. And I remember people laughing so hard. Oh I laughed hard at him because I it he was a oil lube manager. He worked at like a Pennzoil. So he was under cars, he was in grease and dirt and grime all day. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you so concerned about what your clothes look like? No one's gonna see you. So he has something to blame on you. 
Yeah, so he had something to blame on me and hold over my head. So I remember him. I remember him. I was like, okay, and? He's like, well, I'm not going to go to work like this. I can't go to work like this. So my mom goes, give me your damn clothes. I'll wash them myself. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, no, you're going to work and you are not staying here. Yeah. At that, at those points, like now I see that he was slowly losing control over making me feel guilty, bad, upset. Every little nitpicking thing that he was trying to do was not affecting me. Right. You know what I mean? So at that, it was like, well, now I have to find some other way to get her and get her attention and hold that control over her. Right. At the end of the day, I didn't care. And that's when you get that detachment and you know you're safe to leave. They no longer Yeah, you're completely disassociated with anything and everything that has ever happened to you or that you feel can happen to you. It's an overwhelming feeling of calmness. You feel like you have more power. You feel like you have this huge ball of weight lifted off of your entire body and you can breathe like you're untouchable yeah and you're just like you know what fuck you today i don't care if you don't want to go to work fine i'm leaving i don't care where i go but i'm not going to be here subjected to hearing you complain when majority of the time it was like um let me, let me make sure your clothes are done. I remember when he got the job working at a um, car lot. I was up early in the morning and I was pressing his clothes, ironing his clothes, making sure they were straight, no wrinkles, no nothing. And then it came to him working in the oil lube and I'm like, well, I don't give a shit. Go, go to work with your lint clothes. Go to work naked. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care. But you know, at that moment when, my, when he said, oh, I'm not going to work, my mom jumped off that table and she was like, nope. I'm taking your clothes. I'll wash them. You can go to work. <laughs> it's funny how they find the the littlest tiny things to make your fault and then turn it around on you so that they can, how do I explain that? Like, so that they can look like they're doing something because of you, but it's all a ploy to have more control. Right. Well, because for so long, the manipulating, the conning, the degrading and everything that they've known to work on you no longer works and no longer affects you. They don't know how to act. Right. So they are trying strings, every little string that they can. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, attached. That string's detached and that one's detached. So good luck. Yep. And I just want to point out that in a healthy relationship, if one or the other partner feels like things are, um, you know, slowing down or getting off routine or no, just noticing something going on in a healthy relationship, him coming to you and, and telling you that he could he could feel like you were detaching or whatever he said would be normal and they would try to fix it like he like he showed he did, but in an unhealthy relationship that's abusive, it's a ploy because they don't, does that make sense? Like 
yeah, normally if you and I were in a relationship and I noticed that we were growing apart, I would come to you and be like, Hey, something's going on. How can we fix this? But in an abusive relationship, they, they point that out and they use it to try to get back control over you. So basically the cycle just continues. It's not, it's not a genuine, um, sincere way of fixing a relationship. I don't think people like that have a genuinely sincere like bone in their body. No, I think that they they do somewhere in there. They do somewhere in there, but they don't know how to like hone in on it. And so it's more like uh, I'm going to give you what you feel you need at the beginning. And it, that could last for two years. That could last for three years. You could have a great relationship for the first three amazing years. And then all of a sudden, it's like one step at a time, it just starts slowly falling apart. And you're like going, what the, what the hell right. happened to that guy? Yeah. What happened to the date nights we used to have? What happened to the, let's go out and just have a quick dinner, even if it's at McDonald's, like sit down and, and just not look at a phone, not nothing. Right. You're going to notice certain things. Um, I think after three years, it was more, the nitpicking was more like um, starting with the, you never do this. You never do that. Why do you always do this? Why do you always do that? So putting in never and always into a category for somebody makes them feel like, well, shit, what the hell was I doing from before? Right. If, I'm ne- if I've never done this and I'm always doing this, what the, what the hell is that? Right. Especially like, if you're doing something else, like you make the coffee every single morning, right? And, right. And then they start saying, you never make the coffee anymore. And it just, it messes with you. It's like, seriously? Or why do you always have to leave the, um, kettle on the burner yeah why do you always have to burn your food why do you always forget to put salt and pepper in there why do you always leave your dishes in the sink why do you always and it's like i never do anything right then i'm always doing this but i'm never that right you know it was that my last straw was when he my ex right now went, came home from Florida and we had an amazing Saturday night, Sunday morning, I wake up and we're happy and I'm ready to go. I want to go on a hike. I want to hang out with him. Like, it's great. Right. I'm cleaning. And after all the turmoil and bullshit that I went through while he was gone with the store and everything else and COVID and this and this and that, I'm cleaning the house. And he goes, Oh, are you going to put that in a pile and leave it there? Like you always do. Oh God. I was like, what? I sat there for a minute. I said, oh, are you just going to sit on the couch and watch me clean like you always do? <laughs> and, oh, well, I, I, I'm not saying that I, I was always just, you know, you you always try to leave sweet stuff into a pile and leave it there. I don't. I'm not right. dirty. I have a vacuum cleaner. Yes, I'll sweep it into a pile. I hate dustpans. You never get the last piece of that damn dirt up. 
So I will sweep it into a pile, but I always, always use my vacuum cleaner to clean up the rest of it. Yeah. And then I suck around the edges of all of the living room, the kitchen, the bathrooms, whatever, because I'm like, I know my broom can't reach some of those areas and the vacuum is just going to suck it all, but I don't have to worry about it. It's just but a I way of them to try to get under your skin and make you like gaslight you, you know, yeah. make you feel like, like you're not oh. good enough. Well, and here's like what we said before, you know, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden they throw that one thing in there that you're always doing or you're never doing. Right. Did I tell you about this, the bank story? I feel like I, I know I was just talking about it the other day, but I don't know if I was telling you about it, about um, my ex talking about his bank account. Mm -mm. So no. this was, this just happened maybe four months, three months ago. And, um, he's done stuff like this several times, but this was the biggest blowout because he knew that. So when, when an abuser or especially a narcissist knows that they have zero control over you, they'll rage out. You know, they'll first try the love bombing, they'll then they'll hoover you and all that. And when that's not working, they rage out. So he knew, and this was two years after I had moved out, we broke up and everything, and he had still been stalking me and everything. And um, so he knew that I was not responding to him. I went no contact and it freaked him out because he, he lost control of me. So, yep. which he he lost control of me two years before that but in his mind he still felt like he could come to me for supply like you know whatever kind of stupid ass supply right. that he needs so he reaches out to me randomly um it's been it had been a couple months since he'd try to text me or call or whatever but randomly on a Saturday, friday he texts me and he says um you stupid, you stupid fucking bitch. You stole money off my um, business debit card. I hope you enjoy your $200 Amazon uh, purchase. And I have the bank working on this and my lawyer is going to call you all this name calling, raging out. And I'm just like, what are you even talking about? And it's totally random, mind you. And also it had, it's been three years since I've had access to the business account that we had together. So I had no, I had no idea what he was talking about, but it was all a made up lie so that he could look like I was the one that did him wrong. And finally he got right. to discard me. And so he went on and on and on for hours about how I stole from him. His lawyer was going to call me blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there laughing and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't even have a business debit card. I haven't had one for over three years. And not only that, but the bank changed hands. So they, they never sent me another debit card anyway. Oh, so it was, my like, God. it was like physically impossible for me to even have access to the account. He just came up with a crazy ass reason why he needed to rage out and discard me when he knows all along that I, I left him, but either way. So that same day I was getting a huge deposit for selling my house and the bank called me and I kind of freaked out at first. Cause I thought he was making this all up about talking to the bank. 
So the bank called and they were like, Hey, were you expecting this deposit? It was the equity for my house. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever I approve it. And so immediately after that, I text him back and I said, I just spoke to the bank. No worries. We've got it all straightened out. He didn't know. That it had, <laughs> yeah. He didn't know it had nothing to do with the bullshit he was talking about, but it let him know like, Oh crap. I can't get to her because she's going to, you know what I mean? Like she's not going to yeah. let me manipulate her into thinking, believing this lie. So right. after that, he starts saying, okay, well, can you promise me that you, you didn't do this? Because if you didn't, I have to find out who did. And I'm just like, you already know, like, leave me alone. And then the next week I changed my phone number because it was just, you have, you have to go no contact with your abuser. It doesn't matter who they are. If they're going to keep contacting you to gain control over you in any type of way, no contact is the only way to go. And I, my mom, my current boyfriend, and my dad, I all knew about the bank thing. And they were like, are you serious? You know, but it's, it feels weird to tell people about that kind of stuff because you sound crazy, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, that's a legit reason to, to come at somebody. Hey, did you steal money from my account? You, you had access to my account at some point. So it sounds like a legit reason, but when people don't know that abusers are literally psychotic and will say anything and do anything, it makes you sound like the crazy one, you know? Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So he had done a lot, a a lot over the years when he lost control, but that was the, the biggest one, I think, because he knew that he, he was never going to get to me again, you know? isn't that crazy though the moment that you and I can't even I literally can't even explain I know that there's women out there I know there are women out there and men out there that are listening to this and they're like when is that moment going to hit for me when is that light bulb gonna just click and go yep I'm done yeah the moment like I said the moment where you have to You know, you start asking yourself those questions like, why am I allowing him to get to me? Or, you know, feeling like you can just leave at any given time and not have to worry about coming home. Or when you wake up and you're like, yep, I just don't, uh, I don't care anymore. Yeah, it'll be a light switch. It's definitely a light switch. It's definitely Mm -hmm. the best feeling you'll ever have. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I've been through it twice. Um, the kids' dad, huh? I'll never forget the day that I actually packed his stuff and put it on the porch and was like, here's a restraining order. Here's all your bags. Get out. Wow. He was, yeah, he was actually, um, it was the last, it was a couple of days before the last day of school for the kids. And we were driving to, an ensemble that they were having they were in elementary and I remember being in the car with him and he's like I'm going down to Texas for my um, family reunion are you going I said no I am not and he said really you're not going to go with me I said no I am not I said I've thought about it long and hard I have a lot of stuff here that I have to tend to and take care of and no 
I don't feel like right now is a good time for me just to take off. Mind you, I didn't have a job. Okay, I right. could have went. <laughs> right, I didn't have anything yeah. really big going on, but I didn't want to go. I had plans in my mind. I had plans. And I remember him th- making me feel really guilty. Well, you're probably never going to see my grandma again. It'll probably be the last time that she sees her gra- your great-grandchildren and blah, blah. And I was like, I don't, I'm sorry. They're not going and I'm not going. They still have to, um, they still have to do school. I still have to be here with them. You know, I can't go. Yeah. He knew something was up that day. Cause he was like, why are you being so standoffish? Why are you being so quiet? Why are you being um, so distant from me? Why won't you hold my hand? And I was like, I, I don't feel like it. I really don't care anymore. I don't feel like holding your hand. I don't really care to be around you with you. We're in the car. And he says, well, do you want me to come into this ensemble with you? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, are you going to, how are you going to get home? I said, I'm not really worried about getting home. I really do not need you to come in today. I'm going to go and take care of the kids by myself. I got out of this little red car, shut the door and off into the school. I went, never saw him again. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. He left for Texas that day or remember. And we went to town. My mom and dad were living with us or living with me at the time. And we put screws into every window. We changed all the locks to the door. We cleaned house. There was, there was like four or five of us. We cleaned that house. Top to bottom, inside out, found baggies of cocaine everywhere. Oh, no. Hidden in little crevices of the concrete down in the basement. <gasps> Upstairs in his brother's room. that brother was staying with us. So in his brother's room, we found the baggie of cocaine. We found a sock with a huge rock in it. I don't even know how much was in there. I threw it away. I didn't care. Oh, God. I could tell you that the the sock felt like it had a bag of marbles in it. That's how heavy this was. Oh my gosh. I've never, I've seen it, but I've never touched it. Never been like, I don't want anything to do with it. So I didn't care how much was in there. I just threw it away. We, it took us how long? My mom is sitting here. So my mom, Sherry is here. She's sitting here listening to this. So I'm sure in her mind, she's like, yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, Hi, Sherry. <laughs> hello. How are you, my dear? Good. Thank you. Good. So we went in. So we, which term are you talking about? When so we found the copper. Okay. Oh, so we went. I had a garage apartment, and we, like I said, we were cleaning house. My mom and dad were moving in with us. They'd been staying there, but they hadn't gotten all their stuff in. So we took the time to clean everything out. We went into this garage apartment, mind you, that I was. So we broke everything in. We broke the door in. We got in there. And Crystal, we found a spool of copper. Um, Not just a spool like you would buy at Home Depot. This is a spool of copper that somebody rolled off of an electrical truck. Oh, wow. I don't even know how much do you think was there, Mom? I don't know. It was pretty full, but they were definitely planning on selling it. Yeah. Yeah. They had they had empty metal barrels down there in the garage area. And 
this spool of wire was up on the second floor. I can't even, we couldn't even roll it anywhere. We ended up like flipping it out the window and into the bed of the truck. Like it's two stories. So we pushed it to the end of that window and flipped it out of the window. Oh, like the whole truck was really loud. And we were, I called the FBI. I called, well, I called the state patrol. I called the state patrol. They called the FBI. I had the FBI come over. We did a scan bar because every spool has a code. It has a, 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 a scan bar on there so you can tell who it belonged to or who bought it or where it came from. And literally, do you want to know what the FBI told me? What? Oh, we don't want anything to do with that. What? Yeah. It took them a whole week to get back to us. Oh, we don't want anything to do with that. I said, what do I do with that? I don't want it here. I don't want him breaking into my house and stealing my stuff and trying to get this huge spool of copper cable. Yeah. And he goes, do whatever you want with it. Weird. So you did, this was in a, in your garage you didn't have access to? This was, okay, so we had turned our garage into an apartment garage. We had a, we had a guy that was renting that garage apartment. Yeah. I kicked him out because he was back like six months on rent. I, I, you have, there's procedures and stuff in Colorado you have to do. So like, I got him out. Well, he put a lock on the front door that the only way that you could open the garage was through the door. There was no electric code or anything like that. It was all manual. Yeah. So we had to break down that garage door to get in there. Well, once we had gotten in there, I, we were just down the basement area, down the first floor because the the second floor, there was no railing to the stairs. So we, we knew that no kids or anybody was going to go up there. Well, eventually I did go up there because I'm cleaning it out. And I was like, Oh my, where, how, right? Where did this come from? And how did they get it up here? No kidding. That is weird. Yeah. You know what? I, it's weird to me that you didn't have access to that, that it was all locked up and stuff because my ex did the same thing. We had like a detached two car garage that he did all of his construction crap in and all that. But he wouldn't give me a garage door opener and he wouldn't give me a key to the man door. And, and like you said, it was all huh? Oh, I didn't say anything. Go ahead, babe. Oh, I thought you said something, but yeah, I, I kept asking him like, Hey, can I get a key to the door? Can I get a garage door opener? And he's like, Oh, that's all my stuff. My business stuff. You don't need in there. And it's, it, it was, it's just the weirdest feeling somewhere you live and that's supposed to be your sanctuary, your safe place, but you have no access to this one area. And it's such a weird feeling. And it's like confusing because why would you lock me out of that? Like we share this home together, you know? And before a couple of years before that, um, I had found some like paraphernalia and part of it was a piece of tin foil that was like burnt. And at the time I'm thinking, is this like from meth or 
what? So I yeah. set it all out because there was, there was a weed pipe too. And I, and he didn't smoke weed. So I set it all out on the table, everything I found. And I asked him when he got home and he, I was like, what is this? And why is there a piece of burnt tin foil? Are you doing meth? And he's like, no, just sometimes I like to roll up weed and smoke weed out of the tin foil. And I'm like, what? Like that did not make sense to me at all. And believe, believe me, I smelled it before I brought it to him and it didn't smell like anything just burnt. And I'm like, I still, to this day, get confused about it because he will take that to his grave. The things that you find that make them lose control and they lie, you know? What do you think that, do you think that piece of tinfoil would have been meth? Oh, for sure. Gosh, dang. I mean, I find, I found copper yeah. All right, pieces of copper here and there. I've seen this before. I remember yeah. going to Walmart and specifically picking up two bundles, two bundles of copper bristle pads. What the hell do we need two of these for? I remember asking him, what, right. what is this? Why do we need two of them? Oh, you know, well, we go through them. What? How? What are you cleaning with those? We have, yes. We did have um, cast iron skillets. Did we use them? No. No, no, we did not. And to find them in the bathroom or in my car, my floorboard, or all over the carpet when I'm vacuuming, and I'm like, "What the hell is that? What is that coppery, like shiny stuff?" And I go pick it up, and I'm like, what the "Fuck, is this?" <laughs> so, take it from somebody who's never done drugs. I've been around them, yes, but I've never done them. Same. Of all, yeah. I'm allergic to pot. It affects me completely different than I've ever had any other buddy tell me about. Like anxiety is one thing, but this what it does to me is completely different. It shuts my whole breathing off. Yeah. Okay? I can do edibles, but I have to take a very, very small, minute piece of one and I'm okay. But I can't do any more than that. So like 0.5 milligrams. Oh. Doesn't really affect anybody, but it does me. Yeah, I um, can't be in a hemp plant area because it actually makes my body break out in hives. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel the need to be any more stupid than I already am. I have my moments right. and yeah. I don't need help. Um, my life is not that miserable. It was last year and I probably could have used a lot of drugs last year, but I didn't, um, didn't even think about it. Um, I remember my sister-in-law at the time called me and she said, Hey, I have some things I want to talk to you about. And I'm thinking, okay, what's that? She said, well, I have been doing AA for the last year to get off of drugs. And I'm like, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on here on the podcast. My dogs are taking off. (laughs) Um, So she calls me and she says, can you do me a favor? And I said, what's that? And she said, can you, can you look around your house and see how many empty lighters you have? Hmm. Right. That's exactly what I did. I was like, huh? Okay. And I said, funny, we have a whole basket full of empty Bic lighters. Weird. 
Yeah. And she goes, okay. She goes, can you go in your bathroom and behind your towels, see if you have a box of baking soda? What? Yeah. And I'm like, what? The hell is that supposed to do? So I go in my bathroom and I'm like, that's a fucking spoon between my towels. What? And there is a box of baking soda. And not just a small refrigerator box or a box of baking soda that you put in your closet and your cupboard. This is a big box of like baking soda. And I said, oh my God. And she goes, oh yeah, he's, he's cooking his shit in your bathroom. <gasps> oh. And I said, does it have like a really weird, like metally, metallic y, burning metal smell? And she goes, uh huh. I no said, oh, yeah. way. Yes. Yes. So he had been whatever it is. I don't even know. I can't, Chris, I can't even tell you what it is that he's doing. Is it crack? Is it Coke? Is it, I don't know. Right. I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know how that works. But he was cooking it in the bathroom. Okay. So if you're, person that you're with is in the bathroom for 45 minutes to an hour or longer guarantee they're doing drugs guaranteed hands Holy down without doing drugs i don't know how you can sit in a bathroom for 45 minutes to an hour and you know um feel like i'm not even kidding my ex used to do that he would go to the bathroom yeah. and he'd be in there literally 45 minutes and i always was like what the hell are you doing in there? And he'd just be like, oh, you know, I'm playing on my phone while I take my morning shit, you know? And I'm just like, for 45 minutes? Okay, it, now. It's just now dawning on me since you said that. Like, that is wild. Yep. Now, I will say this. My son, my son will literally take a 30-minute 30, 30 shit. I'm not playing. But I don't smell anything until afterwards, and it's shit. Right, yeah. Okay, there's a difference. My kids have always taken longer shits. And you give a man a cell phone and they disappear in that bathroom for at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes. However, if you are smelling a metallic-y metal burning smell, guarantee they're doing drugs. Guarantee. Oh my god. Guarantee. See, I'm like you. I don't I don't I don't do drugs, never have like I know a little bit no. about it because I've been around it, but that amazes me. Like I'm literally just learning this as you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I learned it. Um, the first time that we had this conversation, her and I, we talked about it in 2007, 2006. Yeah. 2006. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, everything that my intuition was telling me was correct. Yes. So I brought it to his attention. Yes, I know it was wrong. Yes, I know the accusations that were coming with that and the beating I was going to get with that were going to be horrendous. But I put the baking soda, the spoon, all of the copper bristle pads, and the bucket of empty, I'm telling you, it was a big old coffee can of empty Bic lighters all together on the counter. And I remember him coming home. He was out of town working at the oil field at that time. I think it was in like Louisiana or something. It was right before Katrina. No, it was after Katrina. And I remember, you know, he came home and I said, can you explain what all of this is? What is all of this? What does this do? And girl, 
that shit hit the fan so fast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I gave him. It's like, run off without a suit, I'm attacking you. Nope. I let him put it. Yeah. I let him go in and take a shower. I fed him dinner. I took, you know, everything, right? And I remember he goes, well, what is all this? I said, I don't know. Why don't you tell me what is all this? What does this mean? Where did all the, why, why do I have all of this in my house? Yeah. I said, so you know, we have I, a very similar story. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I do. I have no idea what it meant about spoons to just disappear. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I would go through at least six or seven things of spoons in a year. Yeah. Six or seven pieces of spoons in a year. I mean, I would go to the um, Salvation Army and I'd be like, I need all the spoons. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember thinking, you know, I, I don't understand how this happens. And I, you know, I did. I got, there was a lot more yelling that time than there was beating. I got thrown up against the wall. I got tackled to the floor. I got pinned up against the door. I got the door slammed in my face a few times. And it was more like, okay, I asked. I didn't want to have this kind of conversation. And I wanted to get away from him. And everywhere that I went, he followed me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I even got to the point where I crawled underneath my bed so he couldn't pull me out. Um, God. Yeah. But I guess over the course of, well, I met him in 96 and the course of that many years, I don't even know what that is. I don't have time to count right now. Um, He had been using and hiding it. And that was, she was, that's the reason why he leaves all the time. So Hmm. right that time that I confronted him, he left. Mind you, we didn't have a car at that time. He went, this is the stupid shit that I had to put up with. So I don't know if you know what a beach cruiser is. A bicycle beach cruiser. Yeah. They're anywhere from $500 to $2,000. Right. Okay. Well, when you don't have a car, you really don't have that much money saved up because every penny that he made, he blew. Right. Like, literally blew it. Um. He went out and he bought himself, I think it was like a five or $600 beach cruiser. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the car need, the car that we had at the time was a little Nissan or a Toyota Camry or whatever. I was like, well, that, that $500 would have fixed the car. Right. Like, we, every car that we had never had plates, never had registration, never had insurance, never nothing, nothing. He wanted absolutely no paper trail to anything. I don't even know if he, when we bought the cars, if he actually got titles for them. That's how crazy yeah. all this was. That's how uh, my ex was. Yeah, I know that I would just come home and there'd be a car sitting there. And he's like, here, I got your car. <laughs> what, yeah. Is it stolen? <laughs> They're like, you know, whatever. I didn't even ask. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, whatever. Um, I do remember a few times he would disappear for like a week at a time. So when he would come home from the oil field, you'd have a week on. And a week off. Or you could do two weeks on, two weeks off. Well, his 
um, deal was the two weeks on, two weeks off. So his two weeks off, he was gone. He'd come home for like a day or two. And then he had that beach cruiser. He would ride his bike from Houston, clear down to Alvin, Texas, which oh in a car, yeah, which in a car, Crystal is like an hour, what, a good hour, an hour and a half away, depending on traffic. I'm like, how in the hell are you riding your bike clear down there? Or right. are you riding your bike? Right. You know? And then, I don't know, it was just every, I never got a real chance to actually sit down and have a conversation with him or do anything with him or anything like that because it was always constantly gone, up and leaving, gone, up and leaving. Right. So I paid enough money to pay the bills. And then, which was fine. Thank you for that. But we never had any money to actually like do anything. So we lived an hour away from the beach, never went. Uh. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, just little things like that. So when that copper spool and me finding out my moments of, I need to wake up and get out of this. Do I want to raise my kids around this? Do I want to have my children subject to drugs and violence and manipulation and conning and all this other stuff? Seth, I think, was about 10 or 11 when I left. And I was like, I'm done. I didn't think that the repercussion of what he had witnessed and been through would actually ler- like linger and lurk on with him. But it does. Right. He remembers everything. Yeah. But and yeah, I just want to say that when your abuser feels like they're losing control, that is one of the most dangerous times for you. Be in that, you know what I mean? Like yep. it, once you detach, you dissociate, you, you know, they have no control over your emotions. Once they see that and they know that that can be, if not the most dangerous time for you, especially yep. if it's physical, but yep. They'll smear your name. They'll make lies about you and spread it around to the community, especially if you live in a small community. They'll beat you, whatever it is that they that they like to do. And because every abuser has a specific thing that is like their one go to abuse tactic, but they'll do everything they can because they know, oh, my gosh, I'm about to be outed. She's she or he, I guess, is telling people about me or I'm losing control over this person so that if that happens that's the best time to get out and use your plan take your go bag get out because that it's just it's unpredictable you know yeah it is it is it's sporadic moments literally sporadic moments I remember when I left, we put the restraining order on him. I said, you know, and I, I remember now that I said I never saw him again. I lied. Um, so I left in 2009. 2000, yeah, 2009. 2009? I don't even remember now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 2009. And a friend of mine came from Pagosa Springs, a really good um, childhood friend of mine. Her sister and her kids came. And we went to the bar and he was there. Well, we had the restraining order on. I could, he, if he was there, I couldn't go there. Right. Because he had been there first. So I, a friend of mine says, no, you know, let's get him to leave. 
let me go in and t- see if he'll go around with me to go get drinks at the other bars. And then you can come in. And when you come in, he can't come in. So I was like, done deal. So I sat in my car. Um, I had a few drinks in my car. Uh, no, I never drink and drive until last year. That was my first and only time. And I was scared the living crap out of me. Um, but I had drinks in my car and I was sitting there drinking them and I got a text. Okay. You're in the clear. I walked in from the back door and went in and everything was fine for about an hour. She came back by herself. She left him there, came back. He came in, saw me and he's like, I need to talk to you. Grabs me by the back of my neck, drags me in front of all of my friends, (gasps) drags me out of the bar slams me against the window of the bar and i am telling you crystal flies on shit my friends were out there in a heartbeat i have goosebumps talking about that like wow i didn't know what to expect the fact that he had balls enough to pull that shit out in front of public right i because i'd always told people you know just be careful be cautious you're not quite sure what he's capable of yeah he did that everybody in that bar was like Oh my God. Because they'd only seen him actually do that to a man. Right. And the fear that overcame everybody was like, what is he going to do? Right. And my friend, Shauna, my friend from Pagosa Springs, my high school friend, her sister got between me and him. Yeah. I didn't realize this one would get me. (laughs) Got it's between okay. me and him. And she said, fucking hit her. I dare you. Uh, and he was like, I'm not going to hit her. I'm not going to hit her. I'm just going to hurt her. What? And the- yeah. I just caught, I totally forgot about this one. Um, and that was with the restraining order. That's what I was about to ask. So did he, yeah. did he go to jail for that, for violation? No, and- no. No, this man, this man had his ways. That's what made him so much more dangerous than anybody that I had ever met. He had his ways. And when I say I was under protective watch, I had to move. I had to put myself in isolation. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that there was reasons why I moved to a small two-bedroom cabin out in the middle of fucking BFE in Montrose, Colorado. I had no choice right um i made That's it all about that they become un- unpredictable like you just I, it was for a while you every, think you can predict what they're gonna do you know whatever but after a while it's just like you have no clue yeah yeah wow yeah so and then we went back to the house that night and the two of them slept in the same bed with me. The kids all slept in one room. We locked the door. They slept in the same bed with me and we locked my door. Wow. I completely forgot about that. I know. As we and talk the about things, I start like remembering I'm stuff. Yeah. Where you sit there and you're like, oh, I'm safe. You know, I have the restraining order. He's gone. He left. I'm safe. And I felt like, okay, I can get out there and I can dance with you or whatever. I didn't even get, I don't even think I got one song in. 
I think I had gone to the bar and I talked to the bartender, a friend of mine, like we were all friends in this. It was like a small family community bar. Mm-hmm. And we, I would, I remember going up there and getting a drink and coming out. And that's when he just snatched me from the back of my neck and like drug me out the front door. Wow. And I think, yep. One of mates that I ended up sort of, sort of seeing, sort of using. So that way, cause they were afraid of each other. Uh-huh. Um, and he knew the situation. I mean, he knew was with me and why he was staying there so it wasn't like I was using using him he knew yeah um he I don't even that night until later on and I told him and he was like he'll never touch you again ever and I remember making him sleep in my bed while I slept with the girls and the kids because I woke up one night and he was standing over me Oh, God. And this is all with a restraining order. Like, they, the amount of restraining orders on this man made, uh, he didn't care. Yeah. He was like, I said, you know, they lose control and they feel like they are losing their mind, you know, and they, they will do anything and everything they can to, um, to see if they can get you back. And yep. they go crazy. It's not about getting you back. It's they've lost control over the one thing that they could actually control. And they right. lose their mind. And they do stupid shit. Yeah, I always got asked why I didn't get a restraining order on my ex. And and to me, it's like, maybe I should have. But you have a prime example. It's just a piece of paper. If somebody's psychotic... Um, is a sociopath or a psychopath and and they're that abusive a piece of paper is not going to stop them you have to create that's just kind of like a boundary for you a legal boundary for you you know you have to create your own um safety net through your friends family whoever you know what i mean like you have to do that and if somebody wants to get a restraining order that's fine if it makes you feel better i i totally promote that but right. you always have to have a backup plan because to someone like that, it's only a piece of paper and they don't care. Well, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, if the police aren't going to help me and they're not going to stick up for me and they're not going to protect me, what's for them saying that if I, if he was to come in my house and I shoot him because it's a make my day law that they're not going to pin that on me. Right. So I was at a loss no matter which direction I turned. No matter what I did. So when I signed up for the victim's advocate, because I had to get on TANF, Medicaid, food stamps, and all that stuff, my counselor was like, um, you have to move. Just tell them right. it's financial issues. Tell them whatever you got to tell them, but you have to move. Right. You cannot send it. You cannot put your um, address out there. You cannot do any of this. Right. Um. And I know we've gone way over on this one. I'm going to have to do a lot of editing and whatever to make it to where it's not just rambling. But um, I don't know. I know there's a lot more that I've got going on that I've in 12 years have endured. And like I said, I've, I've been many years and I still talk about certain things that get to me. But, you know, I mean, for those out there that have witnessed anything, gone through anything, whatever, done anything, we would love to hear from you and your story. 
I know I would like to bring my mom on at one point because I know with my dad, she endured some stuff. Um, yeah. It's up to her to disclose all of that. But, you know, letting people know that there's an out and be prepared for what you're going to get afterwards is the yes. biggest thing. Yes. Yeah, a lot of stuff's going to be brought up that we don't remember and and it'll happen to our listeners you know, that's part of the CPTSD if you have it, or, you know, just repressing feelings in general and memories, but reach out to one of us or both of us and use it as free therapy. I mean, you know, we're not claiming to be medical professionals of any kind, but like we, we have two shoulders to cry on and two ears to listen if someone needs to talk or needs help. So by all means, reach out to us. Yes, please do. Um, I am working on the website. It will not be live for 60 days. Um, I'm going to have links on there. We're going to have our podcast lives on there. We will have Facebook lives on there. Tomorrow, I would like to let everybody know tomorrow we are going to discuss Kratom. We are going to discuss what it is, how it works. And um, I have a lot more in there that I need to disclose to people because I know a lot of our Kratomites and people of Kratom are going to be listening to this as I have a lot of followers um and crystal please share that facebook link that i have on my facebook page um absolutely and i will actually post it on the um dirty coffee talk on facebook so that way we can get this um, out in the open and you guys will learn more about that tomorrow uh, i hope everybody has a wonderful rest of the week welcome to hump day <laughs> yes have a great day thank you for joining us today Yes, and sorry for 53 minutes. You had to listen to all of our bullshit. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> That's what we're here for, right? All right, Crystal Bay. Have a wonderful day, hon. You too. Bye. All right, bye.